we're going to have two copies. The first one is going to be our outline and study notes. So you can make notes on that as we go over the study. And the second one is going to be for the friends that you meet and study the Bible with. And uh, just a little note. The ones that you're going to give to your friends, okay, the ones that you're going to study with your friends, you can make as many copies of that as you like. And what I do when I study the Bible, instead of having someone take notes, I give them a copy. So they have, their, they have it. It's already printed out. They can go back and study it. And sometimes I make a copy for everybody that's in the Bible study, even the other disciples. So we're all following along, and we all have the same notes. And then we have our friends... Here, you take this and you go and study. That way, everybody, if you do it that way, everybody can really focus in on the study. And (laughs) one person is not just focused on writing notes, but they have the notes already. So uh, we have a lot of copies, so you can take a few, make more copies, keep them at home, and we're going to do this every week. Okay? Amen. Actually, I think I like it off the podium. Because I think I'm going to have problems with this podium. <laughs> okay. So, can you hear me okay? Like this? Okay. So, so we're going to do some pre-study notes, and then we're going to go through the study. So, first, just to let you know, this is not a new system. Most of you are familiar with the word study. And tonight, we're just going to be teaching how to study the Bible with someone. We're just going to review that, refresh ourselves on that again. And, you know, I may share some things that may be new to you. And, you know, every time you study with someone, it's going to be different. So, you know, take what you can. And, and you know, a lot of times you have to, well, pretty much the word speaks for itself. But as far as certain things that you might need to do or say, it kind of depends on where the person is. And so I always start off asking the person, or just sharing a little bit about my background. And for me, say for instance, I'm studying with Cynthia, and so Cynthia, I just want to share with you about my background. I came from a Catholic family, and I went to church, we were religious, but I never studied the Bible. And actually by the time I was 18, I didn't even really believe the Bible was true. I stopped going to church, and I just was like, you know, I can do whatever I want. I don't need God. So that's kind of my background, but I have a strong Catholic background. What about you, Cynthia? And so you give them a few minutes. You don't take a long time to share, maybe a minute, but then you want to kind of find out what's her background. Is she, does she have a religious background? Uh, does she not believe in God at all? Does she go to church? So that's important to know because it'll give you a point to start from and how you can help your friends the best. And also, when you're studying the Bible with someone, it's also about building a relationship. And it's not just about studying and sharing scriptures, but we're building a friendship and a relationship. And uh, it's, it's important, very important to not just go through the study. Because everybody is going to have a different journey, and everybody is going to have different obstacles and different come from different places. So it's very important to build a relationship. 
And also, part of our goal in studying the Bible with someone is helping them build a relationship with God. And that is the most important thing. Because we're just there to help one another. We're just there to encourage one another, to uh, inspire one another. But the, the real purpose is to build a relationship with God. Okay? And, and Christians as well. So we passed out. We've, we've got these things. Okay. Okay, and this is another point that I, I think is pretty important, is the environment that you're studying the Bible. And personally, I, would prefer, I prefer to study the Bible in my home or in their home. Now, if, I, if it's a situation where that's not an option, I will study it in a coffee shop, a cafe, or whatever. But sometimes if you're in a restaurant or a cafe, that can be distracting yeah, and noisy. And so you really don't want to be in an environment that's going to be distracting. You really want to be able to focus on that person and give them all your attention. And then their attention is all on the Bible. So say you're inviting someone in your home. You, hospitality is very important. You know, you, your first impression do matter. So you want to make sure your house is clean, things are presentable. And I always like to share a snack or something, tea, coffee, just really making the, my new friend feel comfortable and at home. That's very important. You want them to feel comfortable and not um, to feel threatened or tense. So you want to make it a comfortable situation. And uh, sometimes, you know, there's a, a, if you're staying with someone and they have children, maybe there's someone uh, that's going to help out with the Bible study. They can help out watching the kids or keeping the kids occupied because that could be a distraction also. So let's see. So we want to make sure that we're not studying the subway or McDonald's or any of those places. Comfortable homes. And um, and then when we open up the Bible, one thing that I like to do is I usually will read the scripture first. Or I will have other disciples read the scripture. Because not everyone, maybe com- everyone's not comfortable reading. So before I put anybody on the spot, I want to make sure... You know, give them, a, give some of the other ladies a chance to, to read the scriptures, and then I may ask, "How do you feel about reading? Do you, could you read for us?" And uh, you know, not to make them uncomfortable, but just to give them that opportunity as well. And another thing is. You know, sometimes when you are studying the Bible with someone for the first time, they may not have a Bible. So, if, you know, if it's going to be in your home, make sure you have an extra Bible. Or you can give them yours. And then you can share with another sister, or you can use your phone. But I think that's also another thing. And then sometimes they may not know where all the, the Bibles are, the Bible chapters are. And that's okay, because most of us, we didn't know either. I know I didn't. 
And that takes time to learn the Bible. And so we can help them out with that as well. Give them some hints. And, uh, you know, go eat popcorn. I know that was one that helped me. I still remember that. Uh, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. That really helped me. And also, I remember when I first studied the Bible, I was scared to death to pray. Like, I could not pray. And they would ask me to pray, and I just, you know, I just, like, could barely get it out. I was like a little mouse. And, uh, but that's something, you know, as we continue to study, we can help them with that as well. So, okay. I'm just kind of going over some practicals here. Also, we want to make sure that when we're asking questions, that, you know, if you ask them a question and they don't get the question right, you don't want to say, oh, well, that's not right. That's not a good answer. What were you thinking? Oh, no. You know, it's okay. It's all right because we all, we were there at one point, too. So you want to not make it intimidating at all. And I just think it's really important to try to be relatable. I always try to find something that I may have in common with them. Whatever it can be. Or some of the other sisters in the Bible talk to find something in common. Something that we can connect on. And even if I'm studying the Bible with the person I'm leading the study, I may not be the main person that's calling and following up. Actually, it's going to take the whole group. It's going to take each person in there, in the Bible study or in the Bible talk or Bible group, to make a point to reach out to our new friend. Because really that's what we're doing. We're making a new friend. And it's a blessing. It's so exciting. It's so fun. I know at first it can be a little intimidating. Because I know I'm shy. And some people are not, but I can be a little shy. But once I get over myself and thinking about myself, it's just so exciting to have a new friend. And I just think about all the women that I've studied the Bible with over the years and all the great friends I've made all over the country, in the world, actually. And I uh, have, you know, yeah, it's, it's true. In South America, Africa, women that I've studied with, not only do I get a chance to build a relationship with them, but I get a chance to share God's word with them and have an impact on their life and be used by God. It's amazing. So just think of it like that. You know, this is someone God has put in my life to help, to know him better. And he's just using me right now as that tool and as that instrument. And um, so the other friends in the group, the other members of the Bible group, you know, someone can be the person that's going to be calling to follow up. How are you doing? How are you feeling today? What did you think about the study? Um, any thoughts? Any questions? Then you may have another sister who may be, hey, let's go hang out. Let's go get some coffee in between studies. Because remember, we're building a relationship. It's not just about getting together and doing the study. And, and just what I've learned over the years um, People look to build trust. You have to build some trust. Now, you do have some people that are just, you know, 
there automatically. But I don't think that's most people. Most people look for a connection or something that they can grab onto and build a relationship and build trust. And so remember that you are you want this person to trust you and everybody's not going to automatically do that. But the more you study, the more you build, just like any friend, you build a relationship. Okay, so that's just kind of the pre-study notes. Now we're going to go over the word study. Any questions about any of that that I talked about? Good? Sounds good? Okay. And you know, you guys may... Yes. Yeah, usually no more than three, I think, is a good number. Yeah, that's pretty good. But, you know, if I, I don't like to do one-on-one if I can always try to have another sister in there. And, you know, if you can't get together with this study, that could be a good time to just, well, let's go and hang out, have a quiet time. We could have a prayer time together. We can do a prayer walk, have coffee to build one-on-one until you can get the group together. Okay. And also, like if I'm the leader in the Bible talk, I like to give all the women in the group maybe a chance to study. I, you know, maybe at first, the first study we do, say if I'm new in a Bible talk, it's a new group, I might do the first time, but after that, I really want to encourage everybody to get involved or have a chance to do a study. I think that's really important in your group. And especially if you are really good at studying the Bible, it may be good for you to just sit and listen to the other person lead it. That way you can help them and teach them and give them pointers and say, that was really great, but I could, you could have maybe done this. this. Think about this next time. This might help. Or this is what I would have done. What do you think? Do you think you would do that? You think, what do you think? Do you think that's a good idea? You know, just kind of going back and forth. But it's very important to give everybody in the Bible talk a chance and an opportunity to lead studies. Prayerfully, everybody will find their own study to lead. <laughs> and everybody will bring a friend. That would be the ultimate idea, right? Okay, so we're going to start the Word of God study. And the purpose of this study is to help your friend develop a conviction that the Bible is from God and is the standard for our lives. And then again, like I said, you'll briefly share about your life and your background and then ask them to share about their background. Many times... People believe things that may not be actually true. Have you ever believed something and you just knew it was true and you found out it really wasn't true? Right? We've probably all experienced that. And we, we can also have that experience with the Bible. I, I know for me personally, the first time I read the Bible, I, I did the word study, I was in shock. I, just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, why didn't anybody teach me this before? How come I don't know this? All this is here, and I didn't know. And I guarantee you, most people that I've studied the Bible with, they don't know the Bible. There's a lot of people in the world that, that don't really know the Bible. And 
if we do, and it's a gift that we've been giving, we need to share it. We need to help them to know the Bible as well. Well, we're going to look at the first scripture that we're going to look at is 2 Timothy 3.16. Also, we want to also make sure that we always open our Bible study up with a prayer and close up with a prayer as well. Okay, 2 Timothy 3, I'm almost there. 2 Timothy 3.16. And I'll read. Everybody there? Okay, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So according to this scripture, how much of the Bible do you think? And so I'm asking Cynthia, so she's, I'm studying with her. So Cynthia, according to this scripture, how much of the Bible, if any, do you think is from God? Really, you believe that? Well, that's really great, Cynthia, that you believe that because that's exactly what the Bible says. It says that all Scripture is directly out of God's mouth. He breathed it into life, and it was His Word. It's not someone else's Word. It's all God's Word. And it also says that the Bible is useful. What is the Bible useful for? That's right. So according to this, what do you think? Now these, this is how I would lead the study. Like, this questions I would ask. How does the Bible teach us? How do you think the Bible teaches us? Anybody can answer. <laughs> Not just from Cynthia on the spot. <laughs> Exactly. It, it teaches us about life and how God wants us to live our lives. And if we're living it the right way or if we're living it the wrong way, the Bible's going to teach us that. And, um, you know, and then continue, you know, as you're going through the study, you have to remember that part of what we're doing is we're trying to build up their faith as well in God, if they don't have that faith in God. So the Bible teaches us about life and how to live a godly life. Uh, rebuking, do you know what it means to be rebuked? And they'll probably say, uh, not really. It, okay, a rebuke is a harsh correction. Say, for instance, you have a small child and they start running into the street. You would probably rebuke them and say, once you caught them, you say, don't ever ever go run in the street again. That is very dangerous. You will be killed. It will hurt you. So you give them a really harsh correction. Probably more harsh than that. If it's your kid just ran out in the street. <laughs> so, but it's a harsh rebuke and the reason sometimes we need that is because sometimes we are going in a, the wrong way. We're about to go in a very dangerous situation, a situation that could really hurt us. 
So the Bible will rebuke us and tell us, stop, stop, do not do that, do not go there, do not partake in that activity or that sin. The Bible also says it will correct you. And how does the Bible correct us? Yep, it, it leads us on the right path. It corrects us to go down the right. It teaches us what is right in God's eyes and what is wrong in God's eyes. And it says that it trains us. How can we be trained by the Bible? How, how, how do you think you can be trained by the Bible? There you go. By reading your Bible and putting it into practice every day. It's important that you read it. That's how you're going to be trained in it. And it says that if we do these things, that it will equip us for every good work. To do good work and good deeds in the world. And to make us a righteous woman of God. And I think all of you here tonight, that's what we want to be. We want to be righteous women of God. And so we're not going to get there on our own. And so that's, that's something I like to really point that out because I think that's inspiring. Because if someone's studying the Bible, they, they, they're looking for something. They want to follow God. They want to be righteous. So it's like, here you go. This is the key right here. This is how you're going to be that righteous woman of God. Amen? And then I give them a challenge, a question. Are you willing to read the Bible every day so God can equip your life? Read and, and also, you know, explain to them, I will be willing to read and pray with you as well. I can help you and show you how to pray. I can help you with quiet time. And we can spend time together. Okay? And then we're going to go on to the next scripture in Hebrews 12 and 13. I'm sorry, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. So let's turn there. Okay, you guys all with me? Okay. Okay. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Okay, how is the Bible alive and active today? Do you know? Yes. It's through our lives. It's alive through our lives. It comes to life when we read it and we put it into action, when we read and practice it. What is the Bible, Bible sharper than? Double-edged sword, yes. And if you are cut by a double-edged sword, it's going to really hurt because it cuts you both ways, in and out, on both sides. That's a deep cut. But the Bible is compared to that. So the Bible is very powerful. But why would we want to be hurt or cut by the Bible? Why do you think God says that you're going to be hurt sometimes when you read the Bible? 
I'm sorry? Yes. Yes, it's gone. Yes, it's like when you have cancer and they have to go in and cut it out because if they don't, it will spread to your whole body. It will disease your whole body and kill your whole body. So they, they want to get it out so to save your life. And that's what the Bible does. When you apply it to your life and there's sin, it's going to hurt when, when it comes across that sin. When you read the Bible and you see the sin in your life, it's going to hurt. But you're going to have to cut it out. And that's what the Bible does. The Bible is that powerful that it calls us to cut out the sin, but it's going to make us better for God. Just like once you have had surgery, it's going to make you better to heal. That's right. So what does the Bible also judge? It says that it's so deep that it can judge. What does it judge? That's right. It judges your thoughts, your attitudes, your feelings. And as women, we have a lot of feelings. <laughs> but the Bible says, God says that the Bible will judge our feelings. Even if we don't act on it, God still knows what we're feeling, what we're thinking, what our attitudes are. God knows. And that's what really matters. It doesn't matter what other people think. It matters what God thinks. And he does know. Because God sees everything. You know, but I'm glad God sees my attitudes, and I'm glad he sees my heart, and I'm glad he sees my feelings. Because if he didn't, I wouldn't be able to change them on my own. Because my feelings can get way out of control. My attitudes can be out of control and can get so hard and so sinful that because of God, I can, can see them. And even if it hurts me, even if it's like, ah, oh, that's just, I don't want to see that about myself. That's horrible. Or even if I'm prideful about it, God will expose, expose that too. But, you know, we have to own it. Because God already knows it, and he wants to help us to be better. So how much is hidden from God? Nothing. Nothing is hidden from God. He knows everything about us. And that's, that's the challenge. Are we willing to follow and obey the, God, obey the Bible, even if it doesn't feel good, even if it hurts? Even if it goes against, you know, our ideas, our thoughts, our feelings, what we want, are you willing to follow God's word? And hopefully they're going to say yes. Okay? And if you... Yes, ma'am? I was going to ask a question about that. Okay. Go ahead.
Well, you know, if they're really willing to continue to study, uh, yeah, we get that situation a lot. I'm not sure if I'm ready to do this. I don't know if I want to follow the Bible. You know, so sort of my thought is let's keep studying and let the, the Bible really convict them and change their heart. And I've seen that happen hundreds of times. Uh, I mean, even with myself. You know, at first I said yes, and then I was like, well, no, I don't think so. I think I'm going to be my own, do my disciple, my own thing, you know, my own time. You know, but um, the sisters really stuck with me, and they kept teaching me, and the friendship really made a difference. And I think for me, like when I studied the Bible, I left. I mean, it took me a few months, and I left a few times. And I remember one Devo, I felt like he was talking to me, and I got up and left. I was so angry. I left. And I remember the sister that studied with me, she said, I thought we would never see you again. But I came back. It took me a few weeks, but I came back. But the thing is, I, I, took, I had to really think about it. And I think this, I even went to a couple other churches, and I remember thinking, why am I at these other churches? Nobody in this church knows my name. They don't know what I'm struggling with. I could walk out here right now and go commit suicide. And no one would know or care. And I'm, I'm just on my own. I was like, these sisters are really trying to help me make it to heaven. And that's what I wanted, right? That's what a lot of people want. But I really just wasn't willing to give up some things. But they stuck with me in where I didn't have faith. My faith grew. They just never gave up on me. And... You know, I had I I did some I was doing some work too. If they're willing to do the work still, if they're reading their Bible, it's okay. Now, if some if they're not going to read and they're not really interested, then maybe this isn't the time to continue studying with them. But if they just have a lot of questions and they don't have a faith yet, you know, the Bible, reading the Bible is what will change their convictions and their faith. It's not really our word. And we can just be there for them and guide them, but the more they get in the Word. Does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, okay, where are we? Second Peter 1, 19-21. And I really think if someone is really looking for the truth and you're teaching the truth and you're loving them and you're sincerely trying to bring them to God, they will find God. Just like the scripture says, if you seek me, you'll find me with all your heart. And God's just using us. Okay. 2 Peter 1.19 It says, And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. 
For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the first question, how should we pay attention to God's word as a light in a dark room? That's what I would share with them. When you wake up in the morning and you're trying to go to the bathroom and all the lights are out, you're looking for that one spot of light and you're trying to go there so you can make it safely. It's the same way with the Bible. That the Bible is a light for, for those and for us when we're in the dark. That it will show, it will, it's like a light switch. We're searching for God. And that's how I would describe it to people, that we have to really search it. If you're studying the Bible with someone, encourage them to search out the scriptures as if you were in the dark. How much of the scripture came from the prophet's own interpretation? None. And I try to give them an opportunity to answer, but none. And, you know, I studied with a girl a couple weeks ago, and she was like, I don't know if I believe that. And so we kind of talked through it, and... You know, she had some questions about that. And so I just said, well, why don't you read the Bible for yourself? And you figure it out. You go through it. Don't just take my words for it. And actually, that was something I did. When I studied the Bible, I didn't really believe it. I didn't. I mean, at first I did, and then I was like, no, this can't be. They're, they're asking me to do, this is asking me to do some really radical stuff. I don't know if I want to give up everything. <laughs> I like everything. I like my life and my selfishness. And so I read and read and read to see, to prove it wrong, actually. Like, is this really true? And it convicted me. Because I just remember one day I was reading and reading, and I was like, oh my God, this is the truth. This Jesus is the Son of God. Oh my goodness, this is the Word of God. But it was only from me just really going through the scriptures. Because I wanted to know, am I going to give up everything? Am I giving it up for the right reason, for the right thing? And I realized it was. So you have to always continue to encourage them to read on their own. But it says that no scripture came about on the prophet's interpretation. Like they did not make this up. Do you think we would sit around and make up all this? No. No, we're, we don't have that in us. We're, we got too much sin to be thinking about all this, to doing good things. But it's sort of like if I was writing a, a letter to Cynthia, but I couldn't write it out. So say I asked uh, Judy or Christina, <laughs> Christine, right? Christine, I need to send a letter, a special letter, a special message just for Cynthia. But I need you to write down the words for me. But it's from me. And can you give it to Cynthia? So is the, the letter really from Christina? Did she write it or did I write it? I did, because it was my word. She just put it and then gave it to Cynthia. And that's what the Bible is, God letter, God's message to us. And he used over 40 different prophets to write it. It was written over thousands of years. And actually the New Testament and the Old Testament, I think it's 400 years between them. 
and how the prophecies and it all fits together is amazing. Okay? So, the, um, so this is from God. Okay. And if someone, you sign the Bible with someone and they start asking some kind of deep questions that you may not have the answer to or it might take you off track, what I usually say, you know what, that's a good question. How about we study that later on? We're going to study that out. But today, let's finish out this study. And then we can talk about that another day, like the Holy Spirit or whatever, which will come up with different, different people and different questions. But we can't cover it all right now. Okay. Okay. So the next scripture is John 8, 31 to 32. And also, you know, say you only have an hour. And I see, what time are you supposed to be done? 8.30? Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to go through this pretty fast. If you run out of time, you don't have to go through every scripture. Okay? Because some of them do repeat each other. But what you can do is follow up with them. Okay? But John 8, 31 to 32. Can someone read that for me, please? To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Okay. Then, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay, I'm going to go through this quickly. So who was Jesus talking to? He was talking to the Jews that believed in him. <laughs> So what did Jesus tell him? He said, believing in Jesus is not enough. You can't just believe in him. You have to hold to his teaching. And the, the Greek for hold is death grip. So you need to hold on to the word of God as if you're holding on to your life. Hold on to it with all you have as you're holding on to your very life. And Jesus said, if you do that, you will be set free from sin. Because we won't be set free until we start putting it into practice and living it out. You can't just believe it without doing it, okay? And the question is, the next question is, what's more important, the way you live or what you believe in? And if someone can read 1 Timothy 4.16. Okay, amen. So it's important, what's more important, we ask that question, and so they might say one or the other. Some people get it and they say both, but it's, it's just as important to know the truth as it is to live the truth. They're both of equal value. And I always use the, the uh, example, if I gave you a free trip to Paris, France, hey, you get this free trip and on my airplane. Do you want to go? Yeah. Okay, well, I only have one wing. You still want to go? Like, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. <laughs> and so if we're going to help people get to heaven and help ourselves, we can't be flying with one wing. We need to have the right doctrine and the right life because people are watching us. Okay? And then the next, the next is Mark 7, 1 through 13. And if I could have someone read that, please. The Pharisees and 
Amen. It says, Jesus is talking to these Pharisees and he's saying that they worship tradition. They worship out of tradition instead of a, a sincere heart to, to honor and follow God. And he called them hypocrites and he said that they were putting aside God's rules and laws for their own desires and what they wanted. And they kind of slid it in there in the law. And what, because it, was, it became a tradition, it wasn't really what God told them to do. So they, they came up with another law saying, oh, you don't have to really honor your mother and father. If you don't want to do that anymore, just give us some money and we'll exempt you from that. And Jesus was like, no, that's not right. That's not what God says to do. You're putting your law above God. And sometimes... And I know I did. I had a lot of traditions, religious traditions, and things that I believed that I found out they were not biblical. And some, that was kind of hard for me. But I had to decide, what, what's more important? What the Bible says or what I grew up believing or what I thought was true? And the example we like to use is a, a, a woman who, on Thanksgiving, would always cut the ends off of her ham. And one day her... Um, her daughter asked her, why do you cut the ends off of your hand? She's like, I don't know. My mom always did it. So she asked her mom, why did you always cut the ends off of your hand? She's like, I don't know. I, it's what my mom did. And so then she's like, well, I'm going to ask grandma, great-grandma. And so she said, why do you cut the ends off of your hand? And she's like, oh, because it wouldn't fit in the pan that I had. <laughs> and they just thought that was the way it was supposed to be done. <laughs> had lost its true meaning. So, but we want to make sure that we're not like the Pharisees, that we honor God with our lips and not with our hearts. Okay, the next scripture is John 12, 47 through 48. And if someone can read that. Okay. 
So I always ask, who or what is going to judge you at the last day? The word. That's right. Whose word? Jesus' word. God's word. Jesus says, I did not come to judge you. I came to save you. But he says, there is a judge. And the judge is the very words that I speak. So if the words that Jesus speaks, which are in the Bible, if that's what's going to judge us, how important is it for us to know the Bible and know God's word? It's very important. And it's like you have a final exam, and the teacher gives you the answers to, to the exam. And says, all you have to do is go home and study this exam, and you'll pass. And you take it home and you don't study it. You're just like, I'm not studying. Then you go, you take the test, and you fail. And you're like, oh my God, I, I, I can't fail this class. I, I don't want to repeat it. And the teacher says, well, I gave you the answers. Why didn't you study? And it's the same with God. He's giving us the answers. He's given us the solutions. He's given us the Bible, the words to life, the words to salvation. And he's saying, read them, live by them, hold to them with your life. And so we will be without excuse because we will be judged. And it says that over and over in the Bible that there will be a judgment. But if we hold to and follow Jesus, we will have a judgment that will take us to heaven and give us salvation. Okay, and then Acts 17... 10 through 12. because they were eager and examined the scriptures every day. So I always tell them, don't take my word. Go back and examine. Be eager to examine the scriptures every day. And then I tell them, and I'm going to give you a copy of what we studied today, and I want you to go back and read it. And actually, I want to encourage you for the next three weeks to seek God to read your Bible, to pray, to come to church. Uh, let us enter your life, you know, become, come and see what we're doing. See our lives. See what we, why we do what we do. For three weeks, come and seek and, and seek God. So this will be a good time where you can talk to them about, we can hold each other accountable because we're all doing the same thing. So we'd like you to join us. We'll hold each other accountable. We'll pray together. We'll read our Bibles together. We'll hang out together. And then I go on to, and I definitely um, encourage them and challenge them to make the Bible their standard. Okay? And then Acts 11, 25 through 26, and this is just to lead into the next study, discipleship. And if someone can read Acts 11, 25 through 26, the last scripture. Sorry. Somebody's got that? Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. 
And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Okay. So I just tell them, you know, the next study, just to kind of prep them for the next study that we may do, we're going to talk about what is discipleship, what the Bible says about discipleship. And I just may tell them, you know, the word Christian is only in the Bible three times. But the word discipleship is in the, the Bible over 200 times. And so we're going to look at that. What does that mean? And the next study can define what is a disciple, how to become a disciple, and how to live as a disciple. And then we can set up another time to get together. And then we pray, set up our time, and that's our study.